Hello, everyone. Welcome to How to Read Chinese Poetry podcast. I'm Zhong Qicai, the program host. In this podcast program, my colleagues and I aim to introduce cutting-edge scholarship on Chinese poetry to a broad general audience. We will present 52 episodes covering the major poetic genres developed over China's long history. Each episode features close reading of one or more of the best-known Chinese poems, with an aim to illuminate their literary greatness and cultural significance. For all the discussed poems, Chinese texts, English translation, romanization, and brief notes are provided at our website, howtoreadchinesepoetry.com. By following the 52 episodes, listener will gain a bird's eye view of the thematic, formal, and generic evolution of Chinese poetry from antiquity to the modern era. Instruct and delight is what we wish to accomplish in each talk. Without further ado, let's begin. In the last episode, we examined how the syntactic flexibility of the pentasyllabic form enabled a relatively faithful recording of the complex thought processes and hastened the rise of reflective poetry. Today, we will look at the two distinctive formal features of this new reflective poetry: binary structure and multilateral texture. The poem chosen for our discussion today is "Bright Moon Shines in the Clear Night," the seventh of the nineteen O poems. Bright moon shines in the clear night. Bright moon shines in the clear night. Crickets chirp near the eastern wall. The jade handle. Points early winter. The myriad stars are they crowding to one another? Why do gathers on wild grasses? The cycle of seasons suddenly changes again. Cicadas buzz among the trees. Dark swallows, where have they gone? Once we are friends, studying together. High you soared, strong, beating wings. Our friendship, you have not remembered, and abandoned me, like a footprint left behind. Sovereign willow, dipper in the north, or drawn ox, that cannot carry a yoke. Truly, without the firmness of a rock, what good can you gain from these empty names? The poem. Like the most of the 19 O poems, displays a distinct binary structure, seldom seen in early poetry. Such a structure is typically composed of two evenly divided parts. First, an emotional observation of an external scene, and then a reflection on the aroused emotions. 
In this poem, the first part depicts a desolate scene. The poet confronts on a cold autumn night, full of melancholic sights and sounds. If the star J. Handel heralds the advent of cold winter, the sounds of crickets and cicadas announce an unpleasant change of seasons, lamenting as it were their own impending death. The second part turns to the desolation of an internal kind faced by the poet. Depressing thought of abandonment by an old friend, and a deep frustration with career setbacks, aggravated by that friend's success. To extricate himself from these bleak reflections, the poet turns to human transience as a means of consoling himself. Since that will claim us. Or anyway, he consoled himself that his friends' successes, names, ranks, titles, really mean nothing. He imagined asking him, quote, "Truly, without the firmness of a rock, what good can you gain from these empty names?" Unquote. Unlike the poem discussed in the last episode, the transition between two parts is rather abrupt. This abruptness, however, is more than compensated by a rich network of textual resonance between the two parts. In the second part, the poet conveys his criticism mainly through metaphorical images. For instance, the image of soaring bird beating its wings is intended as a satirical metaphor for his friend's unscrupulous self-advancement. The star names, the sudden winnow, dipper in the north, and the jaw ox, are all used metaphorically to suggest emptiness, or even falsehood. Because the stars are anything but these objects and animals, it seems the poet is here thinking not only of the empty false friendship, but also of the hollowness of his friend's success. It is important to note that all these star metaphors strongly resonate with the real star depicted in the first part. This textual resonance activates connections between the two parts, leading to a melancholic blending of the desolate scene and woeful utterances. As indicated by the color coding in the accompanying text provided at the website, the network of textual resonance signifies the emergence of poetic texture in pentasyllabic poetry. If poetic structure is the framework of a poem, poetic texture results from the interfacing process. To borrow a phrase from computer science, where each word is linked to every other word in an organic whole. 
just as networking denotes a process of multilateral linkage. Poetic texture means a process of multilateral interplay among words and images in a poetic text. Panning out still further from the poem, we can think some more about poetic texture in relationship to written poetry. Consciously crafted poetic texture, in my view, is the product of solitary poetic writing, a quality hardly possible in collective oral composition. The conditions of the latter essentially preclude subtle poetic texture. Oral presentation is essentially a temporal sequence of sounds or auditory signs delivered in an expected space of time. And you cannot easily pause without frustrating the live audience. Composer performers must constantly think of what to say next to maintain a smooth, rhythmic flow of words they rely heavily on the use of oral formulas such as incremental repetitions. By contrast, in written and silently read poetry, the importance of a linear relationship between words decreases, while their non-linear relationship strengthens. This has to do with the different dynamics of written communication. Writing and reading are less immediate and instantaneous a form of communication than speaking and listening. In most cases, the writer and the reader are not compelled to respond to each other within a certain time. Consequently, writers may pause as many times as they want to think about how to better put their thoughts into words. By the same token, a reader may freely go over the words of a written text again and again before deciding what they mean. As written communication allows ample time for the coding or decoding of messages, neither the writer nor the reader needs to rely on word-for-word -word repetitions to maintain a smooth temporal flow of words. More important, written communication allows the writer and by extension the reader to explore the non-contiguous relationship of words for the purpose of enhancing emotive impact. As writers pause to review what has been written and make a revision in the light of what they intend to say next, they naturally build a system of textual resonance among the words placed in different positions of a poem. In fact, this is exactly what the author of the 19-0 poems sought to accomplish in many of their poems. The rise of poetic texture in the 19-0 poems was not lost on traditional Chinese critics. For instance, the famous Ming critic Wang Shizhen was apparently thinking of the aesthetic charm of poetic texture 
when he commented on the art of writing in the 19.0 poems. He writes, quote, When these ancient people wrote, if there was a, a forward movement, there must have been a backward movement. If there was a thrust downward, there had to be a thrust back upward. To soar like a startled wild goose, or to wind along like a swimming dragon. This is the way we follow their rules of composition, and the way we seek to understand their meaning. Having grasped this point, we'll understand why this poem, namely the 19.0 poems, are thought to be seamless, like clothes made by heaven. Unquote. Indeed, in the 19.0 poem, both the binary structure and multilateral textures are born of a constant movement between outer and the inner worlds in the poet's creative process. In turn, they activate a similar movement in the mind of the reader. The intensification of this mental process can lead to a point where the boundary between the external and internal dissolve, and a poetic vision emerge. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the talk. Let us relax and listen to a reading of the poem in Mandarin. 古诗十九首秋蝉鸣树间悬鸟是安适良无磐石故